Welcome to Orphaned Entertainment, the podcast dedicated to public domain and abandoned media. I'm your host, Christopher, and if you've ever wondered why we don't do a video cast, it's because we'd likely be banned due to my co-host, the Jane Russell of Podcasters, Lydia. <laughs> Is that because I look like a golden retriever or because I'm so beautiful? <laughs> oh, I hope I didn't just alienate a bunch of people, but... <laughs> A golden retriever. Uh, you know I what? Even I even what... said the wrong thing. I actually meant, um, oh, what's the other one? The one that looks like <laughs> Cocker Spaniel. <laughs> it's it's partially the hair, but it's partially some other things I'm sure I'll bring up in a little bit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll just go with the Cocker Spaniel of podcasts. Yeah. Lydia. <laughs> Stay tuned, folks. <laughs> this should be an interesting one. <laughs> well before we go any further i want to first thank everyone for tuning in though they may be regretting it already (laughs) orphan entertainment is available wherever you listen to podcasts and please if you have the option to do so rate and review the show it really does help get the show out to more people another great way is to help is just by sharing the episode you're listening to on whatever social media platform you use we have actually gotten, I didn't know I could do this, but on uh, Chartable is a website. Uh, you can actually go and read reviews from other countries that they've placed on like on Apple Podcasts. Oh, that's Because that doesn't naturally come up on, you know, uh, on the U.S. Re- they're all region, region specific for some yeah. stupid reason. <laughs> so, yeah. So, uh, there's actually, uh, we've received, um, as well as the... Nice reviews we've gotten on the U.S. Apple Podcast. We've actually received a couple nice reviews over on in the U.K. I think we got a real oh. nice one from Ireland. So it's nice though that we're getting out there and we're actually we're international. I feel so international. <laughs> That's wonderful. Thank you for listening. If you happen to be a Facebook user, there is a group that you can join, and this is a great place to find out what we're going to be covering next, and an easy place to leave any comments on the films or episodes. We also have a YouTube channel where you can watch many of the films that we've covered here on the show. Just go to YouTube and search for Orphaned Entertainment. If you would like to email us with any comments, suggestions, or feedback on this or any episode, please type or record a message and send it to orphanedentertainment at gmail.com. All these links can be found over on our webpage at orphanedentertainment.com. With that, let's listen to a five-minute mystery and a promo for another podcast. And when we return, we dust off our saddles and six-shooters once again and see if we can't rustle up the outlaw. Another five-minute mystery. I tell you, Mr. Tyler, if these fires keep up, I'll be ruined. I'm sorry, Mr. McMillan. We can't pay off any of the insurance until we've found the cause of these fires. It's very unusual for two different pieces of property owned by the same man to go up in smoke within a month. Well, there's, there's still my country house in Ashbury left. Thank heavens I've been spared that. Well, good day, Mr. Tyler. Uh, please call me if there are any new developments. I will, Mr. McMillan. Good day. 
Yes, Miss Smith? There's a call for you on 308, Mr. Tyler. Oh, thanks. But uh, first, Miss Smith, get Inspector Simmons on the phone. I want him to inspect the Macmillan House in Ashbury for fire hazards. The Macmillan House in Ashbury? But that's your other call, Mr. Tyler. It's just been reported on fire. Quite a mess, isn't it, Inspector? Did you find anything of importance? We certainly have, Mr. Tyler. Look at this. The charred remains of oil rags in several of the rooms. I knew it. I knew it. These fires aren't pure accident. How much damage is there? The left wing seems to have gotten the worst of it. Nothing left untouched but the south wall and this private elevator shaft here. Mm, yes, I see. The elevator is still standing up there on the third floor, so the cables obviously weren't even singed. Look at this. I'm ruined. I'm ruined, I tell you. Calm down, Ernest. Calm down. Raving isn't going to help. Oh, here's Mr. McMillan and his sister-in-law, Miss Hammond, Inspector. Inspector Simmons would like to ask you two a few routine questions. Well, go right ahead, Inspector. Anything to get this mess cleared up. Miss Hammond, I understand you were the only one in the house at the time of the fire. That's right, Inspector. Ever since my sister, Mrs. McMillan, died, I've stayed out here and kept the house running for Ernest. I'd like to know exactly what happened, Miss Hammond. Well, I hadn't been feeling very well, and I went up to my room on the third floor to lie down about five. Yes, go on, Miss Hammond. I fell asleep, and not until my room was filled with smoke did I wake up. I was terrified and ran out into the hallway. The whole place seemed to be in flames on the front. So I turned and ran for the private elevator. As soon as I reached the bottom, I ran out to the summer house and phoned in the alarm. And did you return to the house at all, Miss Hammond? Not until the fire was out and you had arrived. Oh, see here, Inspector. Just what are you driving at? Just this, Mr. McMillan. This fire was no accident. It was started deliberately. And I think I know now who's responsible. You do? Yes, Miss Hammond, I do. And I'm arresting you, Miss Hammond, on a charge of arson. What made the inspector decide Jesse Hammond was responsible for the Macmillan fire? We'll have the solution in just a moment, but first... For 14 seasons, Sam and Dean Winchester have been busy with saving people, hunting things, and the family business on the CW Supernatural. It sounds like a lot for someone to come along and try to catch up on the hundreds of episodes this show has to offer. But that's exactly what we're making my little sister do, whether she likes it or not. I'm Matt. I'm PG. And I'm Jess. Two of us are huge fans, one of us is an unspoiled newbie, and we're watching every episode of Supernatural together. We discuss, analyze, and playfully mock this show all to realize that everyone dies and no one gets closure. Listen to Season 14, Time for a Podcast, on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, and Google Play. Now, let's see if your powers of deduction are correct. But I, I don't understand. Jesse responsible for all this? Just a minute, Mr. McMillan. Miss Hammond, you said you came down by way of the elevator. But when we arrived, we found the elevator to be on the top floor and not at the bottom, where it naturally would have been if you'd been telling the truth. No, Miss Hammond, you weren't so rudely awakened by the fire because you started the whole thing. But you no doubt will be rudely awakened now, Miss Hammond, because you're under arrest. <laughs> an American Western produced and directed by Howard Hughes and also uncredited Howard Hawks and stars Jack 
Boutel as Billy the Kid, Walter Houston as Doc Holliday, Thomas Mitchell as Pat Garrett, and Jane Russell as Rio McDonald. Legendary gunslinger Doc Holliday rides into Lincoln, New Mexico and meets up with his old friend, the town sheriff, Pat Garrett. When Billy the Kid rides into town on Doc's previously stolen horse, it looks as though the two will have it out. But not really looking to test their skills on each other, they end up becoming kind of what I would say cautious friends. This doesn't sit well with Garrett, who gets jealous of the new kid getting between he and Doc. Things get even more prickly when the woman who tried to gun down Billy for shooting her brother ends up getting and ends up getting sexually assaulted by Billy. Turns out to be Doc Holliday's girl, and Billy, after Garrett manages to put a bullet at him, finds himself in her care. A tense four-sided triangle develops between the group as they each question the other's loyalties. This film's big claim to fame is the debut of Jane Russell, launching her into stardom as a sex symbol and Hollywood bombshell. Howard Hughes Jr. was an American businessman, investor, record-setting pilot, engineer, film director, philanthropist. Hughes gained fame in Hollywood beginning in the late 1920s when he was producing big-budget and sometimes controversial films such as The Racket in 28, Hell's Angels in 1930, and Scarface in 1932. And he later controlled the RKO Film Studio. Hughes formed the Hughes Aircraft Company in 32, and he spent most of the 30s and 40s setting multiple world air speed records and designed and built the uh, H-4 Hercules, more widely known as the Spruce Goose. And this was the largest flying boat in history and had the longest wingspan of any aircraft from the time it was built until 2019. Hughes wanted to highlight Jane, Ru- Jane Russell's bust. So he put his engineering skill to work to create the first underwire push-up bra. Russell, however, said in her autobiography that she found the thing so uncomfortable that she never wore it. So she padded the cups and tightened her shoulder straps on her regular bra to pull her breasts up more and just told him that she was wearing it. (laughs) Even though this film was filmed in 1941, it didn't premiere until 1943 due to Hughes having trouble getting the film approved by the Hollywood Production Code Administration. Their main concern being the emphasis on Russell's breasts. It finally did premiere in 43, but due to ongoing complaints, didn't see nationwide distribution until 1946. During that interim, Russell did tons of studio publicity work and was a star before most people even saw the film. Her favorite co-star, Bob Hope, once introduced her as the two and only Jane Russell (laughs) and joked, culture is the ability to describe Jane Russell without moving your hands. (laughs) Wow. (laughs) Howard Hughes said, there are two good reasons why men go to see her. Those are enough. (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Wow. Poor Jane. Well, (laughs) let's talk a little bit about Howard Hughes' marriage life. (laughs) It's worth mentioning. He was divorced at the time that Jane Russell starred in this movie, and I certainly have my own questions about their relationship. Nothing Mm. confirmed. (laughs) Jane Russell started her career as a singer and tried to revive that career in 1947. She sang with the K. Kaiser Orchestra on radio and recorded two singles with his band, As Long As I Live and Boing. She also cut an album that year that for Columbia like Records. That sounded like another Bob Hope joke. I just cannot I say it. <laughs> <laughs> she also cut an album that year for Columbia Records called Let's Put Out the Lights. 
Her film career kind of took off again when she was loaned out to Paramount and cast as Calamity Jane opposite Bob Hope in Pale Face in 1948. Still attached to RKO, Hughes cast Russell opposite Robert Mitchum and Vincent Price in His Kind of Woman in 51. And she does two more noir films, The Vegas Story in 52 with Price and Victor Mature and Mako in 1952 again with Mitchum. It might be Macau, I guess. It's probably Macau in 1952. Paramount borrowed Russell again for a reunion with Hope and Son of Paleface, which was another hit. And she had a cameo in Road to Bali in 1953, which we actually covered ages ago. Uh, you, Barry, and I covered Road great to Bali movie. way back when. <laughs> Such a great movie. Jane Russell played Dorothy Shaw in the hit film Gentlemen Prefer Blondes opposite Marilyn Monroe for 20th Century Fox, and that would be her biggest hit since The Outlaw. She found plenty of success on and off screen and in music through the 50s and 60s until mostly retiring after 1970s Darker Than Amber and Cauliflower's Cupids. She would briefly return to the screen in a TV movie in 1980 called The Jackass Trail, and make a few more TV appearances, such as in the 1984 series The Yellow Rose and a 1986 episode of Hunter. And that is the briefest of brief uh, <laughs> on, on who's... You, that, both of uh, those people are... I mean, you could go in... You could talk about for hours just on them alone. Easily. So let's talk a little bit about The Outlaw. Where would you like to begin? <laughs> <laughs> well, as a wise storyteller once said, begin at the beginning, and when you get to the end, stop. <laughs> so, uh, let's start, I think, with what you've already mentioned. Um, I think Doc and Billy's relationship, which is born over the feud between a strawberry roan. For those of you that don't know, that's a that's a brown horse. <laughs> it's a reddish brown horse with white fur in, in speckled in in there, um, which you actually can see if you watch a colorized version of this movie. Mm -hmm, uh, mm -hmm. Of course, it originally was done in black and white, but there are a lot of colorized versions around. You can find them, um, I believe, on Prime and other places too. So, but the the real complexity of this movie is all an argument about a horse and um gotta admit it's a pretty cool horse yeah no it's like a <laughs> it's like a trained dog <laughs> yeah. i mean the the horse you know it between a whole bunch of different tricks like being able to you know shake hands and um so there's some pretty impressive backing right at the very beginning, which only a horse nerd would notice. Uh, but, he, but this horse, you know, manages to save Billy's life a couple of times, I think, throughout the movie. Yep. Pulls him, pulls him out of a water, and he, he Keeps when he's him from wounded being and trampled. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, but uh, it's it, it it feels a little forced, <laughs> a little contrived. You start off, you know, with the doc saying, yeah, I'm in town looking for a horse. Have you seen it? And the next thing you know, the person that has it is Billy the Kid. And, <sighs> yeah. Yeah, the whole film, <laughs> I think, it contrived would be a great uh, definition or description of the entire film. It's contrived. Uh, c contrived and forced. 
Um, <laughs> in so many ways. Yeah. <laughs> your brief description, as you mentioned, the, inter- the his first interaction with Jane Russell's character, Rio, I cringed, but it is mm-hmm. not inaccurate. Yeah, it's, there's a lot of... They, we we watched. I feel like I'm gonna like launching to the end of this conversation. It's not on purpose. We watched Santa Fe Trail and were super uncomfortable with, with some of the statements and innuendo in the movie. This movie made me so much more uncomfortable. <laughs> there yeah, are just no. so many scenes in this where something is happening, and I'm like, oh, this is this is bordering on pornographic, or this is. Either, like, there are these weird periods of extreme dullness with just, I would argue, some long long pauses and, and dragged out shots. It, there's, there's a trouble with the pace. Let's, the, there's a trouble with the pacing of this movie. Yes, a bit. <laughs> That's how you sound like a film critic. Uh, there's <laughs> difficulty with the pacing of this movie. I think it's kind of odd when you look at the history of the film and how much trouble they had getting it past censors, not for anything else other than, oh, uh, well, you're showing a lot of her bosom. Yeah. That's a lot of cleavage. That's a lot of cleavage. I don't know about all that cleavage. And so, okay, all this implied rape and this weird, <sighs> this weird, um, uh, what do you call it, uh, a nightingale syndrome that goes on between Billy and Rio and all that, that didn't bother you. Yeah. Now, t- today... Now today, when we watch this film and modern with modern oh, eyes, man. that's what bothers you. There, all that you know, yeah. all the, the 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 sexual assault, the the weird yes. nightingale, all that bothers the, you. The creepy and, angle and, of trying to get a first person view of her leaning in to kiss him, which genuinely right. every time makes me just cringe and look right. away. Ooh. But <laughs> when you look at Jane Russell and her outfits and what was stirred up all the controversy, oh, you think, goodness. "Well, that's rather quaint." Yeah, exactly. And here I'm going, this is just a travesty. Her skirt is obviously 1950s length. That's Jersey, not anything that would have existed in the 1880s. <laughs> the historian in me is, is shrieking, not historian, but, you know, uh, historical. I just, I think it's so funny that the, the issues that anyone could have with this film have flipped 180 degrees mm-hmm. over over these years. Yeah, I think it, you, uh, it, and it is, it is, let's just We'll just let's just just lambast it. We'll just we'll just <laughs> ripe about it. There is a lot wrong with Rio and Billy's relationship. Oh my! Doc's and Rio's is questionable because he's at least old enough to be her father. Yes. But hey, romance has bloomed on rockier ground, as someone once said. <laughs> so uh, you know, even that you're a little bit uncomfortable with it. But here you have Rio, who lives with her aunt, who sneaks off in the middle of the night to kill a gunslinger. What is wrong with this girl? Like, seriously, I get it. Her brother's dead, okay? You don't... uh, Maybe you do. Maybe you sneak off and go and try and kill the guy that outdrew him. Uh, It's contrived. It's just... uh, It's almost not a strong enough word for this movie. You'd also think that was the kind of thing that she might have mentioned to her boyfriend, Doc Holliday, the famous gunslinger. <laughs> Couldn't you go kill this guy that killed my brother, please? Yes. Yes. <laughs> or maybe, I, also, I don't, I, I, I suppose I'm being, before I get myself in trouble, I'm being 100% tongue-in-cheek here. I suppose that it's acceptable to rape a person if they try to shoot you first. 
what the crap? What is going <laughs> on with this movie? First of all, why would you wanna? <laughs> like, these are these are extremely messed up people. But the worst part about it is, to me, the travesty. Please, again, don't don't fry me. When I say the worst part, I mean the part that sticks with me as being the real linchpin here is that they don't. There's no chemistry between these two at all. It's not like they see each other and it's like, oh, this animal magnetism. I can't keep my hands off him. It's more like, well, you tried to shoot me, so guess I'll tear your dress off now. Ah, what is going on well, here? I think a lot of that lies firmly with uh, Jack Butel. He is the most wooden actor <laughs> I have ever seen. I'm not sure... If it's just him, I don't know if this is a problem with director. Howder Hughes may just be an awful director. I don't know. There is nothing from Jack Butel in this movie. He I just, he I walks feel... like with a, he looks like he's got a broomstick up his backside. <laughs> I don't know if he's trying to act tough or what his I think that's. I think he's was. trying to be tough. And I think you're right. I think you hit the nail on the head. I, it has to be directing because... I feel like Jane Russell is exactly the same in this. They they have these long, drawn-out shots, overwhelmed, by the way, by soaring, aggressive music, which is mm. just destroying any sense of romance there might have been. Now it feels like, oh, you're trying to force me to feel like this is romantic. And instead, I feel a little bit like I'm being raped. So <laughs> turn down the music, Howard. But there, she... And then you have these... When I say Cocker Spaniel, <laughs> these long moments of her just looking at the camera with a sort of vacant, tragic <laughs> look, like, why did you just kick me? I don't understand. And then, you know, you get the little head cock to the side, just like a Cocker Spaniel. Should we play ball? <laughs> uh, can, can I lick your hand? Will that make it better? And it's like... I. Jane Russell is in some later films. We were just watching Gentlemen Prefer Blondes. She is not this bad of an actress. Mm -hmm. And it, granted, she's much younger in this movie. This uh, is her first outing. It is her, her first, first major movie. motion picture. But yeah. as quickly as she improves, I cannot believe that this is because she is incapable of acting. I am 100% convinced this is very poor directing very poor camera direction, very poor acting direction. Mm -hmm. And the reason you can tell is because everybody in this movie, with the possible exception of um, Thomas Mitchell, has very, very little facial expression or reaction to anything that happens. Did you Have you ever seen the film Silverado? That is literally the best western movie okay ever i really feel like uh, uh kevin costner's character mm -hmm. in silverado i feel like billy the kid in this movie was written to be like kevin the that character in that silverado so interesting <laughs> but it was played without any of that it, it was played the exact opposite it was mm -hmm. written for a very carefree um nothing's gonna hurt me yes. I'm, I'm invincible character mm -hmm. and but then played by jack here the complete opposite i'm stoic i'm a tough guy 
And and the problem is you already have a couple of characters that are very similar to that. Yeah, you've got, you know, Pat and, Pat and Doc are buddies, but you're, they're not carefree, jocular guys, really. Yeah, they've got some jokes going, but they're very business. So I liked Walter Houston as Doc Holliday. Oh, I love him. I love him as Doc, and he is my favorite of the people in this. He's a great... I think his character actually works. His kind of... The way the character's written and the way he portrays him, I think, are pretty uh, um, sympathetic with each other. <laughs> you know, it th- works. Thomas Mitchell's uh, Garrett, I think at times he maybe takes the step over, you know, off the edge a little bit. It's excessive. <laughs> I absolutely agree. Um, he, yeah, there are moments of mania in his face. And that's mm-hmm. why I say with the exception of him, almost nobody has any facial expression in this. I mean, and, and I agree. I think that Walter Huston, Houston, I always say Huston, but maybe that's it wrong. It may be, it may be Huston, yeah. <laughs> well, it's H-U-S-T-O-N. Tell so us, yeah, guys, tell us later. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I feel like he, he is the best. He, he and Thomas Mitchell aren't poorly cast in this movie, but... Mm-mm. They've also both got, I think, a lot more experience acting at this point. And so when Howard Hughes or whoever's behind the camera says, you know, oh, deliver that line with more drama or with more passion, maybe maybe what you're saying is an inexperienced actor draws that down and squashes the energy. And that's maybe what we see with Jack Butel um, or, and, and Jane Russell even in this where they're like oh give me a really passionate desire, lustful look and she turns into a Cocker Spaniel mm-hmm. then you know whereas you know Thomas Mitchell turns into a madman and he's like ah I'm gonna strangle you all now you know it's it's, oh, it's such a bizarre the only character that I feel responds appropriately well two characters because I will give Aunt Guadalupe total per like she's fabulous I was no going to say, I thought that's, when you said one character, I thought, oh my God, you're going to talk about Guadalupe. And I, she, I, I got, she and Doc, if the whole movie had been the two of them, I'd probably be pretty happy. You could throw in a little Billy and Rio on the side. That's no big deal. But just Doc and Guadalupe are pretty fabulous. But, oh, the rest of it. Yeah, I really love the the moment, uh, you know, Billy and Rio have gotten acquainted over the month of his recuperation. That's a very delicate way to put it, yes. <laughs> <laughs> and Doc shows back up after being gone for weeks and Who is it? It's me, Doc. Come on, hurry up, open this door here. Come on, man. Hello, Doc. Glad to see you, Doc. Yeah, well, you'd never know it. I thought I'd have to break the door down. It's the rain, Doc. I, I couldn't hear a thing, Doc. You don't need to yell so loud. I'm not deaf. <laughs> well, it's really rainy outside, Doc. Doc? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, she's, you know, uh, she is pretty fabulous in this. Um, her pacing and and Walter Houston's pacing are... I feel like they would have been good <laughs> if the yes. editing of the film had been good. But the editing, ah, there's literally a moment in this movie, literally a moment where you're watching it and Jane Russell steps out of frame and the camera stays where it is on the upper corner of a door for 
30 seconds as the music yes. swells and you go, did they forget the camera was running? What happened? <laughs> What's like, going on? What's the, supposed to be happening here? It, there's, there's no, there's nothing on the screen, nothing at all for like 30 seconds. And we're not talking like an edgy, I've been buried alive kind of kill bill nothing. We're talking literally the corner of a door and nothing is happening. And, yes. I, and I feel like they tried to make innuendo there and it failed so badly that it's somebody should just feel shame. Like there's whoever decided on that should just feel shame. It's yep. deserved. The other scene that I think is really overdone is while Billy is his fever, he's really high. They're trying to keep him warm. You're trying to put hot stones in the bed, whatever. And finally, Jane tells uh, Jane uh, Rio tells Guadalupe to you know, you know, go go leave leave me here. I'll warm him up. And she starts taking off her shoes and stockings. And, <laughs> and so so I, I guess she's gonna she's gonna get naked and curl in the bed with him to keep him warm. But you don't see her. The camera is just locked on a pretty much unconscious unconscious Billy, and the music and the music goes absolutely crazy yeah. and ramps up and gets loud and it'd be like it'd be different if maybe you could see some shadow or something from billy or a yes. shadow anything but billy's like he's he's unconscious he's he's not reacting whatsoever and the movie's swelling and it's like <laughs> but there are i mean to to your credit there are several scenes in this where it shows his face and there's no expression in the music as well that's true so. <laughs> No, I think it's worse than that. I genuinely think that the innuendo in this moment is supposed to be, for lack of a better phrase, her turning the tables, but out of a misguided sense of trying to save him. I genuinely, because she says, if you feel like you have to bring the minister here tomorrow, and then later on she says, I'm married to him, and he doesn't even know it. Mm. I think she's genuinely trying to bring him back to life through, through having sex with him, which... Is always my first thought. I mean, somebody's dying. I should just have sex with them. That's definitely going to bring him back to life. This movie makes no sense at all. There's no sense in this movie. And as I was watching it, and this scene, and then later on, when Billy's awake again, and he's, I guess, supposed to be looking deeply into Rio's eyes in a passion manner, but it looks more like he kind of zoned out for a couple minutes. And she's supposed to be looking deeply in his eyes, and it looks more like she thinks he's holding a treat behind his back. There, there's a scene where she leans in, and it's intended as a first-person view of her about to kiss him. And... I wish you could see the look of expression on my face right now. I, I literally shouted in horror and my cat was startled the first time I watched it. I was just like, this is, oh, this is uncomfortable. This yeah, is not please cut sexy. Away. Please yes. cut away. <laughs> yeah, it was not like romantic. She has this kind of zombie look on her face and then she just gets closer and closer it until is it's like see. a scene from a horror movie this it, is like from night of living is. dead when you're when your loved yes. one turns on you and, and they're yeah. about to eat you she yes. doesn't have a hungry look on her face she has a maybe she's been hit with a brick look on her face <laughs> and, I, and i like i don't want to be mean about her this is her first movie but this is just it's just horrific, and it feels, I feel like 
I feel like Howard Hughes put it in because he thought, oh, this is going to drive all the boys wild. Maybe in, in 1941 it would have driven all the boys wild. But these days it would drive everybody screaming out of the theater. It's yes. just so creepy. It's just not... Uh, it's just... Uh, it's just... Uh. <laughs> Now, supposedly, (sighs) Howard Hawks is the one that started directing, but he left the production after about two weeks. You can Um, tell. (laughs) I mean, this is the man, Howard Hawks, directed Bringing Up Baby, one of Mm -hmm. the greatest comedies in all American film history. Hilarious movie. And this came after it, which it's extremely obvious that not much of this movie was done by him. No, I... There was a um, a scene early on. It's actually the scene where uh, where Rio first gets, or not Rio, uh, Billy first get attacked by Rio. There's that scene in the barn. Mm-hmm. It's just someone in the shadows is mm-hmm. shooting at him, mm-hmm. and you can't see. You don't know that it's Rio. You don't know that it's a woman. And he finally is able to like charge this person, and there's a struggle, and they do a really neat job of not letting the viewer see who it is he's he's fighting with. Yes, I agree. Uh, so he's in the he's in the light. You see him from the back and he's in the light and the person he's struggling with is completely black and um and in, in shadow. In the shadow. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if it's done strictly with lighting or if maybe they had someone in like a, a felt body suit or something to make sure <laughs> they didn't show but it goes on for a good 30 seconds of this struggle mm-hmm. where you can't see who this is. And then it's finally he throws this person down into the light and it's Jane Russell. Mm-hmm. I'm like, wow, that was really effective. I, I like that. That was really good. And I'm thinking, that's not Howard Hughes, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I honestly, I hadn't even thought about it, but you're exactly right. There are two or three scenes in this movie that are, you're like, yeah, makes sense. Good. Nice. You know, yeah. it, it, but it's only two or three. And yeah, it is, just compared to the rest, to the bulk of the film, mm-hmm. I'm thinking that cannot be the same person responsible for that scene. And, just, and bulk is the right word. There are <laughs> so many unnecessary pauses and drawn out shots in this movie. I feel almost like I, I, I'm so tempted if I could get the the. <laughs> if I could get the dialogue separate from the music, separate from the film, I would be so tempted to go back in and edit the sucker because the music would be horribly choppy because there's just too much. Right. Of it. But you could edit this movie from a two-hour movie down to a movie to an hour and a half just by cutting pauses. I, I was thinking you could make this a. You might be able to pull a decent film out of this and tighten it up to about seventy minutes or so. Mm-hmm. I think <laughs> Maybe. that's. Yeah. Especially with the protracted endings uh, of yes. the movie, you could definitely make it a much tighter, cleaner, better movie mm-hmm. by cutting out several scenes and pretty much all the pauses. Yeah. Who edited this thing? <laughs> now I want to know who edited this darn thing anyway. <laughs> yeah. There was another moment towards the end, I hate to jump back and forth and everything, but just talking about directing, it was another case where I feel like maybe another director was at the helm is in the very end when Rio, I keep saying Rio, when Billy and uh, Garrett are finally having their kind of final confrontation. Goodbye, Pat. Why do you say that? Why shouldn't I? Why should you? You ain't going anywhere. Hmm? 
I took the firing pins out of those guns. Nothing would make me happier than for you to keep coming. that one of your own guns? It sure looks like it. How did you get it? You dirty little cheat! You switched those guns on me! Of all the dirty, rotten tricks I... I didn't mean to, Pat. Honest, I didn't. They must have gotten mixed up while I was playing with them. And it, it's suddenly there's like emotion and like this childlike sort of, uh, you know, quality about him, which made me think of like the Kevin Costner character in Silverado. Uh-huh. Like, it, oh, yeah. see, that's who that's, that's what this character was written for. Mm-hmm. And you didn't get it in anywhere other than that brief, like two second oh, clip. flash, yes. Yeah. Yeah. It's, I, that, I and see. Again, I wonder, I just wonder if that was a different director Mm-hmm. You know, given different direction. Yeah, that makes I, that makes a lot of sense when you put it in that kind of a framing. That yeah, I could see the argument being that Jack Butel just sucks in this movie. <laughs> uh, to put it extremely unprofessionally, and, and it, I think part of the difficulty I have is that it's not it's not that he's unpleasant to look at. He's not. He's a cute kid. It's that there are moments when 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 he's just I suppose like. Being natural is the the closest, as, as natural mm-hmm. as he gets in this movie. When he's not trying to be tough and he's not trying to be clever and he's not trying to be lustful. Where you're like, yeah, this guy's pretty much okay. Pretty much the scenes where it's just him and Doc, he's not too bad. Put your hands up. All right, Doc. This is something new for you, ain't it? What? Being arrested for horse stealing. Doc, you know I didn't steal that horse any more than you did. Billy, many a true word is spoken in jest. This is something new for you too, isn't it, Doc? Yeah, what's that? The great Doc Holliday, getting someone else to help him. And a policeman at that. I can hardly believe it. And after the way I've heard people talk about you, ever since I was in short pants. That's enough of that. Turn around. Now walk out that door. Oh, wait a minute, Pat. Why? Well, this thing don't seem to sit right on my stomach no how. What? Duh. You're not going to back out on me. I'm afraid I am, Pat. I'd never hear the end of this. Hold on. 
I'm not through with you yet. Step aside, Doc. You may shoot me in the back. They tell me that's the way you've given it to some of the boys. Now, Pat, that's a pretty strong thing to say. I never heard anything like that. Well, Mr. Garrett, if you believe that, here's your chance to do the same to me. Come in, Doc. Yeah, I think I will. I want the two of you out of this town by sundown. Well, what did I do? That's all right, Doc. You've got the right to choose your friends. Shucks. I don't take kindly to that at all. He knows there's no stage until tomorrow. And he knows that I'm afoot. Or am I? Not by a darn sight. You mean that, son? Sure. We'll dig you up another horse somewhere. But anybody else, anybody else in the movie, and he just becomes extremely kind of bland slash creepy slash vacant. He plays his part so much like a little kid playing cowboy, mm. I think. You know, when he goes to That's walk across fair. the room, he doesn't just walk across the he room. Saunters. <laughs> it's it's like someone who saw a cowboy movie and thought everyone walked like walks like they're bow legged <laughs> and their knees don't bend. <laughs> I could see that. That's fair. I, from that argument, I could see you know saying Jane Russell does better in this movie than he does. <laughs> At least she can walk normally. <laughs> there's there's so much about this movie that. That is just uncomfortable, leaving her, you know, tied to die of thirst when there's that whole, there's this whole scene before Billy comes back to take revenge on Rio because she's double-crossed him. And they, again, it's like Howard Hughes was just, he just wrote down whatever fantasy he was having of the day. Yes. It's like it was the whole movie feels like Howard Hughes was like, if if I were going to be a cowboy, this would be my fantasy. And nobody edited it or had the courage to tell him, Howard, this is dumb. This doesn't make any sense, dude. They were just like, oh, he's rich. He's doing the film. We'll do right. what he wants. He's the producer. He's putting out the money. And there's yep. this scene where where Billy says like something like, oh, yeah, I like it when you beg. Will you say please? And, sh and then he's like, will you look me in the eyes? And you're like, this is just gross. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's creepy. It's just yucky. There's just nobody really talks like that. And certainly nobody talks like that standing five feet away from their victim staring at them blankly. It becomes very uncomfortable very fast. And it's <laughs> even made more uncomfortable because through the entire film, twists and turns and says and Billy's our hero yeah what no I what <laughs> so uh, yeah it, this is why it feels like this is Howard Hughes's personal diary of his fantasy if he were a cowboy and he's like wrote this like very private very sexually fueled and I mean obviously I'm speculating please don't take this and be like oh <laughs> film critics have researched and found this to be the, it's not it isn't this is just how this movie feels like, he wrote a secret diary of all of his cowboy lustful fantasies and then forced these young people to act it out. And they were so uncomfortable that they just could only stand across the room from each other and say it woodenly. <laughs> 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 and it's like, 
Oh, like, oh, it's. (laughs) 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 I've devolved into making horrified sounds. I'm so sorry. This is why we come here, isn't it? (laughs) You know, it just amazes me that the production code was so upset over the fact that they were showing her cleavage yes. that they allowed, that they actually allowed Billy the Kid, the character, to walk away from the film having murdered and, and raped. And raped. Yes. In the 1940s, we've yet to see a film where anyone who's done anything bad gets off scot-free. Right, yes. Uh, the closest we came was, um, wasn't Detour, it was... Maybe it was Detour, where the end has like this sort of weird, is it a dream, is it not a dream, where he ends up getting into a into the police car. Yes. Yeah. yeah. But even then, you get the idea that something bad is going to happen to him, even if exactly. it's just... Yeah. Well, and that was tagged on to please the censors and yes. saying, no, yes, he will pay for his crime. Yeah. Um, this film, they finally, they they allowed him to go free. He gets the girl. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. At the very beginning of the movie, there is a um, a, a caption that comes up, you know, a, a pre- prelude, if you will, that explains this is the Wild West where, you know, good guys and bad guys existed. And <sighs> I wonder if they allowed it only because they – it was supposedly reflecting historical events. Pot, yeah, maybe. Yeah. And what was what was considered good isn't necessarily good right. by today's. You know. Yeah. I, and I, you know, trying trying so hard to make Doc the hero, the actual hero, sort of. You know that that takes one for the team kind of hero. Mm-hmm. Um, it, 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 and then it becomes so. I think we're well past not letting any. Uh, I'm not. I'm not sure we're going to manage to keep the end of this movie <laughs> under wraps. Um, when we get to the actual rating of this film, you understand why I'm not at all concerned about spoiling this one. <laughs> so at the end, it, it is okay. So so the first the, it ends. So they they escape. They make their escape from the huge danger that all four of them are in. You're like, this is going to bond them. Now they're going to have a good laugh. They're going to have a drink. And they're going to ride off into the sunset together. Nope. That's not the end. Okay, so then you have this conflict, and you have this conflict where obviously somebody has to die, and you're like, oh, that person died. Well, that's going to be the end. Nope, that's not the end. Then you get, <laughs> you get this whole uh, back and forth between two of the characters, and it's supposed to be funny, but it's not funny. And it's just like, and, and they keep doing the little wah-wah. Like, yeah, it feels yeah. so misplaced and awkward. Mm-hmm. And painful, and again, you feel like, oh, they're trying to cue me to laugh, huh? And yeah. and you're like, okay, well, I guess that's the end. Nope, still another one where, oh, okay, great. So the bad guy gets away with the girl, and they've each forced themselves essentially on one another. But it's all okay because she stole his ring and considers herself married to him, and she's definitely a cocker spaniel because through the whole thing everybody is just kicking her and she's just lapping it up and that's the end of the movie and you're like first of all did it need four endings no not this no (laughs) (sighs) howard 
Thank you. <laughs> Thank you for only making two movies if this was the cumulative Well, directing. Of, yeah, thanks for only directing, only directing two movies. Two. And frankly, I mean, it, it was probably very good taste on his part to allow other people to do the directing. And uh, yes, of yes. course, we don't know the exact circumstances. Maybe he couldn't get he, who he wanted and was like, we're, we were on a schedule. Fine, I'll just do it myself. Good enough. Next scene. Good enough. Next scene. You know, we don't really know. But this movie is uh, so beyond uncomfortable. <laughs> it feels like is I'm not, you know me, I am not the most, like, women's rights. I'm, I'm like, the opposite end of the spectrum. I am not at all in favor of, you know, beating women down or anything like that, but I am a far cry from, uh, you know, a women's rights activist or anything like that. This movie made me so uncomfortable, and I actually found myself thinking, this is just... Literally, this is the most chauvinistic view of women I've ever seen. Literally, they, they quote, rescue her. And the next scene, they're like, hurry up and get the food ready. Mm-hmm. And she's just hustling around. And you're like, what the crud just happened? I thought, <laughs> I thought they were rescuing her, not enslaving her to be their, like, cooking, cleaning woman. It's just terrifying. It, the, it is it is shocking that this movie was made, you know, at a time that my grandparents were, you know, the market audience for this movie. And I'm going, I just don't remember my grandparents being this ex- extremely sexist and chauvinistic. It's just, it's shocking. I think it's shocking beyond anything else that we see during this era. And And maybe we've just gotten lucky and not run across a whole lot of this. But considering this movie is made in the throes of World War II mm-hmm. at a time when women were doing more uh, actively and in, in the light and in the forefront and in the vis- visibility of the country, I'm struggling with my words, but it was so prominent how much women were doing for the country at the time that this movie it feels like uh, it feels like it was made 20 years earlier. From right, yeah. the way that, that she's treated and responds in it. It just feels out of I, its time in a bad way. I think we've seen examples of it in other films, but we've mm-hmm. rarely seen an entire film where it seems like it's that's what it's built on. Mm-hmm. And unquestioningly, and without she never pushes back. And the whole time I keep thinking, Oh, this is this is it. She's gonna snap. She's gonna be like, That's it, I'm done with you. Never right. happens. She just comes over and licks his boots a little bit more and says, please right. take me again. And, and it's horrifying. And I found that very disappointing. When you read almost any synopsis of this thing, it talks about, oh, Jane Russell plays Rio McDonald, a woman who, who pits Billy the Kid and, and Doc Holliday against each other. And I'm like, oh, okay, this makes it sound like she's kind of like a powerful, intelligent character. And like, wow, that is not at all what this film is about. And so you read that synopsis and you go into this movie and you're immediately uh, (laughs) disappointed. Yeah, and and it is, I mean, it is interesting that watching a movie that was made, man, uh, I feel like I should know this answer. Um, Gentlemen Prefer Blondes was made not that long after this. Uh, 1953, so 10 years after this. Mm -hmm. Yeah, 10 years, 10, 11 years after this. And 
her she's she's not playing a whipped tragic character. I genuinely when I first watched this movie, I was like, "Oh, I just didn't realize Jane Russell was such an awful like uninteresting actress." And then I started like digging more into her and other other things and I was like, "Oh no, it's just this movie. It's just awful in this movie. Not not maybe not necessarily her fault, maybe directing, maybe inexperience." But there's no Well, I think it's a combination. It's a combination of inexperience and bad directing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> she a better director could have gotten a lot more out of her. I, if you're going to be for your first film, you need a strong director. Mhm. Uh, well, and I don't feel like she is my favorite actress in any movie she's in, but I don't feel like I'm so profoundly uncomfortable with how I've never watched a movie where I felt like the director was using an actress inappropriately until I watched this movie. Yes. No, that's absolutely. I mean, she is there for one reason and one reason only. Uh, and it's that, gratuitous. It, it's yeah. Gratuitous. And, and that was Howard Hughes's plan from the get go. I mean, he did like a nationwide search for a big busty woman mm-hmm. um, to, to, put in this role and that's how he discovered her Mm -hmm. so i mean this was his goal from day one Mm -hmm. for this movie and And this is that's why i say i'm i have to question the relationship between howard hughes and jane russell because i don't see how any woman being an intelligent self-respecting woman would be comfortable with this i it just and i don't i don't want to raise hackles or anything like that but considering you know the the intense drama of a few years ago where people were you know bringing these lawsuits against huge hollywood heads i thought this has got to be a similar situation i can't imagine that this wasn't a, a a sofa interview kind of situation so when i say i have to question their their relationship i don't know anything about it i didn't dig into it but it, the feeling, the fact that it feels like that's how she got this role is mm. what makes it so intensely uncomfortable, I think. I don't know if I've got that uh, feeling from it, but she was definitely an object in the movie. Mm. She was a prop, no different than one of the horses or mm. a chair in the, in the room. I mean, she was just simply a prop to be used by the male actors. And, and in the story, she's very clearly Yo, yeah, a prop. Absolutely. I mean... And it's common. And, and the thing that that is one of the, the many things that's so frustrating about that particular aspect of it is at the moment that she realizes I r- literally have less value than a horse in this situation, she literally says, I just don't believe it and walks out of the room like like a sad puppy, like slinking away under the bed. And I'm going, what is wrong with you, woman? <laughs> Just get some self-respect, please. It's oh, it's 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 infuriating. That's the word I wanted. It's infuriating. I was very disappointed in this film. I thought we <laughs> you get don't say at least. <laughs> I was shocked. I wouldn't have picked that up from your comments. From the synopsis, uh, just the western. I'm thinking, okay, at least we'll get some good cowboy, you know, some six shooter action, and uh, it's just it wasn't here. It wasn't in this film, and it's just ah. Yeah, <laughs> very, very <laughs> sad. I mean, it, it didn't take me long. It, it wasn't more than maybe 20 minutes into the film where I'm thinking, 
this is going to be a rough ride. Mm. <laughs> I think I must have been an hour in when I was starting to get ready for the ending. And as we mentioned, it's a two-hour movie. Yeah. And it doesn't need to be. No. Yeah. I thought maybe the um, between Rio and Billy in the barn, I thought, okay, that's that's really distasteful. But that's got to be the low point, right? Mm. <laughs> It's just product of its time. I'll let it slide. We'll we'll move on. And it, no, honestly, it just it. I don't know if it was. Um, I don't think it sunk any lower than that. But it simply decided. Mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try to climb up out of that. Yes. Yeah. And I and I think you know you said product of its time about that particular scene and just trying to get past it. And I, I don't think it really was the product. That's that's part of what to me is so unsettling about it is you know what i was trying to express before i don't think it i don't think this movie expresses how people felt about women during this era i hope not yeah i I, and i don't i don't think it does based on other things we've seen we've seen a lot of movies from the 20s and 30s with very clever women in them with with characters that we've come back and said i wish this woman had been the lead role instead of the side character um in and for it to 20 years later or 15 years later take this massive step backwards to just utter objectification I don't feel is representative of this time period. It, it comes down to I have a hard time finding any value in this movie because it doesn't represent I don't I my perception is it doesn't represent the mentality of the time. It's completely bereft of any historical value as far as recounting, you know, the stories of Billy the Kid and Doc Holliday. There's questionable acting, questionable directing, uh, questionable dialogue writing. The the best part about this movie is the horse. Yeah. You, you gotta, <laughs> yeah, you gotta the just horse. admit, yeah, the, the trained horse is the best part about the movie. No, I, I think you're on to something when you're talking about, I don't know if it was Hughes, necessarily Hughes' little fantasy, but the writer, maybe it was a combination of both. Mm-hmm. It's what they wanted, you know, they wanted to be cowboys where they could kill without remorse and then get the girl. And even if the girl doesn't want the guy, it doesn't matter. I'm a big, bad cowboy. And, you know, about this time it was, um, what, early 40s? It, that made me think of, um, talking about someone playing out their fantasies, it made me think of um, uh, Wonder Woman, mm-hmm. um, William Marston, who was really into kind of the whole bondage and S&M and so it creates this superhero who ties you up with ropes and makes oh. you tell the truth and all that and it's like yeah. yeah maybe there's a little bit of that going on here I could see that there's <laughs> definitely there's definitely some what's the word I want some questionable desires going on That's, yeah yeah I think I think I can't tear it up any more than I already have. <laughs> right, I, no. I would really like to know if I'd love to hear back from our listeners though if somebody if if there's somebody out there that loves this movie I would really love to hear your opinion about it because I think Christopher and I both have just not felt this movie haven't been drawn in by it and I'd be interested to know anybody that has the other thing I wanted to point out I feel like this movie almost hits the buddy movie genre it comes just so close to hitting the buddy movie mm-hmm, genre mm-hmm. but it also has a bizarre sort of love triangle in it that you can't ignore and i'm not talking about the one with jane russell yeah i was 
one, I was debating whether to bring this up. I, I did read that while doing some research and everything, that there are some more modern uh, film studies and, and critics who see sort of homosexual overtones between Doc, Garrett, and Billy. Mm. And uh, most people will say that that, that could be inferred, but it was never the intent of the film just because of... Um, who was behind the film. They, they, they were saying there's no way Howard Hughes would put in anything like that that would in any way overshadow Jane Russell. Right. <laughs> well, and I certainly don't think that the... I, th- I think that is a product of us looking back. You know, great example, in the 80s when I was a kid, if girls walked around holding hands together, it was because they were friends. Now you can't do that. People question it immediately. And mm-hmm. I think that the product of the time that we're in is that we're going to look at any kind of jealousy of from a man about another man's time as being immediately we put a homosexual slant on that i don't think that that was the intention of this but it's there's certainly a super bizarre amount of jealousy going on in this movie that again doesn't seem to make sense in the time that the movie set in in the time that the movie was filmed in and it's again i think comes back to that it's contrived the only way that they could get any kind of conflict in this movie between Doc and Billy was by adding a third person to just hate the Doc and Billy show. <laughs> but the only way I could kind of justify it in my head was the idea that Garrett was good friends with a gunslinging legend, Doc Holliday. And that probably provided him a certain modicum of um, safety from anyone trying to stir up trouble with him or in his town. Oh, I'm not going to mess with him because he's Doc Holliday's buddy. And so when Billy comes in and starts kind of pulling Doc away from him, he's seen he's seen the potential that he's not going to be num- Doc Holliday's number one anymore. And maybe that's going to leave him open to uh, more trouble. You know, people are going to be come gunning for Garrett or to cause trouble in his town because, well, didn't Doc run off with Billy? You know, Billy the Kid? Uh, and the difficulty I have with that is there was a real Pat Garrett. Pat Garrett really is known for having killed Billy the Kid. And as far as I'm aware, he had no association at, at all with Doc Holliday. So I, I think, uh, you know, looking at the history of it and looking at the end of the movie and the way that it works out, I think that the goal was probably to be able to have a movie where Pat Garrett quote kills billy the kid but oh but what if billy didn't really die right Which, well and my my theory is true is completely based within the universe of this no, film it, it, yes and yeah. within the universe of the film it makes sense but the the question again i keep coming back to why did they do it that way why couldn't it have been <laughs> that pat garrett wasn't friends with doc holiday but he happened to have both gunslingers come into his town but maybe he respected one but didn't respect the other it, it, there's it just is a weird it's just a, a weird convoluted yeah, yeah the friendship didn't need to be there at all because by the 30 minute marker or so that's all kind of thrown out the window yes. and he's he's got a posse together to track them both down yes and so, you could have cut off the first 15 of the first 30 minutes just by starting there it, it easily even if it, it would have been oh i would have loved to have seen this movie start with 
you know, maybe Rio goes after Billy. Maybe Billy does what Billy did in the barn. Billy in the barn, it's become a bad thing. <laughs> and, and then maybe the posse goes out after Billy, who's picked up with Doc because he's now he's wanted. But then then you couldn't have Billy be the good guy at the end. There's no way if right. a posse's after him for assaulting a young woman, he's ever getting out of it alive in a 1940s movie. I think you could do just about everything prior to that. You could have the deal with the horse, and that's my horse. Well, it's my horse now, and you're going to want it. You want a gun for it? Oh, but you're supposed to be pretty good. So I don't. You, you could do all of that. Mm -hmm. Just cut out Garrett going around, but, but, but. You're my friend. Yes. Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah, there's there's unnecessary conflict. Everything was fine till you came between me and Doc. <laughs> Jeez, old Is Pete. that a direct quote? <laughs> I think I, that's a direct quote almost. Pretty, yeah, I think it's pretty close. Uh, I know. I You know, I know a lot of men that just get real angry when somebody else wants to be friend with their friends. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, this movie... So I don't think it's going to come to any surprise where our ratings lie with this one. <laughs> I was curious. Um, I admit, I was very curious when I was thinking about my rating, if you and I, if this would be the one that we would really disagree on. Because I think mm. we still have yet to find a movie that I have, I rate very lowly and you rate very high. So Or I'm, vice versa. I don't uh, think we've... I think I've come up with a couple where you've been like, ah, not a fan. And I'm like... It's got a happy ending. Of course I love oh, okay. it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we're usually within, I think, within an Othel, mm -hmm. maybe within one or two. One or two, yeah. No, I don't think this is going to be one of them. <laughs> I, this this is a, if there's a definition of a one Othel movie, I think this is it. Yeah, for me. <laughs> that is interesting. I So I my knee-jerk reaction to this movie was two Othels. And now I'm going, why? <laughs> yeah, okay, good. I'm glad I'm not the only one ans asking that question. I, 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 I think I felt like it, it wasn't just awful. You know, it had a beginning, a middle, and an end, and an end, and an end, and an end. Yeah, several ends. Yeah, yeah. and now that, now that I've said that, I, I can't. I, I want, I genuinely, I want to give this movie better than a one-othel one rating. I really want to. I want to say, uh, you know what, uh, Walter Houston was so good in this, I can't give it one star. Or I want to say, you know, Aunt right. Guadalupe was so great, I can't give it one star. I want to say there's some part in this movie that deserves more. If you wanted to justify it, you could do it with the... Uh, uh you could do it about Walter Huston or Houston. <laughs> uh, you could say, well, you know, this is Jane Russell's premiere, so that's something you should see. Uh, this has a bit of history because it's just directed by someone like Howard Hughes, who's got this you know, giant, you know, uh, uh, history about him. Mm -hmm. So you could try to justify an extra Othel or something out of but that. I and I'll admit, I <laughs> thought about it. Right. But the more I thought about the actual picture, I'm thinking, there's got to be other movies with these people Yes. That are a lot better to watch if that's what Oh, Walter Houston is in Treasure of the Sierra Madres. I had not seen that movie before this year. I will tell you right now, it is not my favorite movie. In fact, no. I had moments where I was like, I hate this movie. But mm -hmm. I will tell you, it is a far better movie than this one. There's nothing in this movie, that, there's nothing good you can say about this movie that isn't 10 times truer for another movie out there. 
So you're, I think you're dead on. This is, <laughs> this is a one hopeful movie. There is just, there's little glimmers. Uh, like the scene I described in the barn, the brief, brief moment with Billy towards the end. Mm-hmm. Just a couple glimmers here and there. But the rest of the movie, and that's like 99.5% <laughs> of the movie, doesn't match any of that. And yeah. it doesn't make it worth watching just to see those few brief moments. Yeah, I think the only argument you can make for this is if you were determined to watch every movie with X and X yeah. is the director yes. or the actor or any part of the technical aspect of this film, the writer, something like that, you could say, okay, I have to include this as I'm a completionist. But if you mm-hmm. are not a completionist, don't waste your time with this movie. Go watch something where Jane Ru- Russell is not a cocker spaniel and where Walter Houston is, you know, matched by an excellent actor of his own quality and even even go watch Howard Hughes first movie you know the movie where no the where they figured out he figured out how to film planes flying in the sky and make it look like they're showing it's a beautiful piece of history it's really fascinating even if you're not impressed with the movie it's worth it for that that mm-hmm. piece of technical knowledge where he grasped being able to do something nobody had been able to do before this movie does not have any of that in it. Nope, nope, Frey, I'm afraid not. I, I wish I could say different, but uh, yeah. Oh, well. Oh, well. Uh, let's yeah. go watch Silverado again. <laughs> I was just going to say, go if you want to watch a good Western, go watch Silverado. Oh, it's such a good movie. It's, that is, it is, I know this, this episode is not about Silverado, but if you haven't seen Silverado, and if you don't like Westerns, or if you don't like Westerns, any of those three, um, if you don't like them, if you do like them, or if you've never seen one, go go watch Silverado. It was made, I believe, in the late <laughs> '80s, early '90s. Be- believe it's got so, yeah. Scott Glenn, Danny Glover, Kevin Klein, Kevin Costner. It's got just it's got John Cleese in it. Oh John my Cleese, goodness! Yeah. It there is uh, Jeff Goldblum not being an alien. It's just phenomenal. <laughs> <laughs> there is a wealth of fantastic uh, just wonderful westernism in it if you play the game red dead redemption or red dead online you will watch that movie and go i rewatched it recently and was like 90 percent of this game is taken from this movie oh my gosh i just my mind exploded so if you want to see a good western go watch silverado great music i just watched that not that long ago because it was actually available on prime for a short time Mm -hmm. um and so I, I watched it, and now it's no longer on Prime, oh. and it's out of print as far as DVD goes. That's a film that needs a good Blu-ray release. Oh, it does, it does. And you know, if you can, if you can find it somewhere, anywhere, get a hold of that movie and keep a hold of it because it is worth a rewatch. It doesn't get old. It never gets old. There's a scene in it where it, you finally get the four <laughs> guys together, and they're riding across the plains. The music swells appropriately. Yeah. The music swells appropriately, and you get chills just talking about it. That was a it's film a that movie. was a made by someone who was a fan of westerns, and yes. so they put in every western trope you can imagine. <laughs> and it's it works, but it, it works doesn't for that. Feel yes, overkill. Yes, and there, I mean, there are some excellent Clint Eastwood movies out there. There are some really killer Clint Eastwood movies out there. Just amazing westerns but if you want to watch a feel-good western you've got to watch silverado you just can't get past it 
All right. Well, we could go. T- we couldn't go any more far afield from our <laughs> podcast topic. <laughs> so I think this is a good time to uh, put this one to bed. <laughs> maybe maybe there's a good reason why we don't do more westerns because we have not had a huge amount of luck. <laughs> there is a it is a difficult genre to do well. Most westerns seem to be dramas and. Well, I think most Westerns, too, when they were the popular thing to make, it was because they were super cheap to make. Mm. You only had to drive a couple hours outside of, yeah. out, outside of L.A. Mm-hmm. to you hit desert and you go, great, let's film a Western. Yep. And so they were done cheaply. They were done quickly. And quality, it didn't matter so much. Mm-hmm. They were just looking to fill, you know, fill the B picture mm-hmm. uh, in, in the theaters. And there are so, some good ones, some really good classic ones. There out are, there. there are. Yeah, and and filled with some really good actors, and actually <laughs> directed by someone that knows what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> yes, definitely. So don't give up on, yeah. don't watch this movie and give up on westerns. In fact, just don't watch this movie. <laughs> yeah, uh, our recommendation is to not bother watching this movie. Watch something else that we've rated better. <laughs> yes. Anyway, that'll do it. Thanks very much for listening, everyone. We appreciate it. I guess we'll be back in another month with another film. Until then, bye. Bye.